so tiny. And it works. Praise God. Wow, wow, wow. We serve a great, merciful, loving God. Wow. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, when the children are up here uh, singing, it's, it's always a blessing to see children. How many love children? Raise both those hands. Children, just, they're such a blessing. Children are a blessing. Wow. And to see those little children every year, Kathy and I have been coming here since, what, 1984. Every year, the children get up and sing or do some kind of Christmas thing. Every year, the, the Lord just penetrates my heart and shows me how he loves us by showing us how we love children. It's just a real correlation there. And it was funny because I, I was asking Kim, I said, where's Isaac? I said, Isaac is usually here. And Kim said, well, it was voluntary. I said, wow, usually Isaac volunteers for everything, you know. But then I saw, I saw Isaac up here. I said, there's my Isaac. <laughs> but as I was just worshiping the Lord as the children were singing, <laughs> the Lord just brought back to me a prayer when I was a child. And I've shared this before that I was a Catholic and uh, brought up a Catholic and then wandered from the Lord, far away from the Lord, during my later high school years, college years, and early adult years. Just, uh, you know, I was just a Catholic in name. But the Lord brought something up to me and it just happened just a few minutes ago when the Lord was singing. He said, John, you remember that prayer that your mom would sit down with you and say before you went to bed? Wow, yeah. It was just a simple little prayer. And it was, it, it was this, if I can recall, I think this is it. Now I lay me, and I, I'd be at, the, at my bed, and my mom said, fold your hands. And I'd fold my hands, and, and then she said, repeat after me, and then I eventually learned it. Now I lay me. Down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. But if I shall live in, uh, for other days, I pray thee, Lord, to guide my ways. I didn't know it at that time. The Lord was answering my prayer, even as a small children. If I were to live for other days, that the Lord will guide my ways. And I look back over the years and I go, wow, wow, wow. How the Lord has guided my ways even when I was far from him. Thank you, Jesus. Well, one of the ways uh, the Lord guided my ways is of course, salvation in the Lord. In 1980, I told you about that story. I was. 30 years old, it was right around my 30th birthday, just shortly after my 30th birthday, where I got saved in a, in a church that I didn't want to go to, that my mother made me go to, because I was visiting her. My wife had 
got saved a few months earlier and was praying for me. But anyways, one of the things when I got saved that I found um, to be one of those things that just penetrated my heart from the beginning was this thing about prayer. And I guess maybe it started when I was at the bed praying with my mother at night. Now I lay me down to sleep, you know? I don't know. But when I got saved, one of the things that, that really resonated with me was prayer. Because I saw so much of it as I began to read the Word of God. There's like a, over 100 verses that are directly related in the Old and New Testament to pray, pray without ceasing, you know? Yeah. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, the prayers like that. And all through Scripture, as even Jesus prayed. And in 1981, I, I just saw this. I picked this up this morning because the, the Lord had put this on my heart. But um, the Christian Broadcasting Network had, uh, perhaps my glasses here, they had put out a little handbook in 1981, and I was just really saved for only a year. It was October of 1981. And they put this out, and uh, it's, it's like a counselor's handbook, but it's got all these scriptures about healing and fruit of the Spirit and discipling and everything you, you, know, you want to know about the Lord. But one thing I always gravitated gravitated to was the section on prayer because it had so much so many nuggets about prayer and I'm going to share a little bit about that after I show you this little video on how the Lord just draws us close to him to communion with him through prayer and how powerful prayer is uh, a few weeks ago, my brother-in-law, Tino Franco, love my brother-in-law, Tino. He sends me stuff all the time about the Lord. He loves the Lord. And he sent me this video on prayer. And it's about a 20-minute video. And I said, wow, this is powerful. I showed it to Ray. Ray goes, yeah, that is a powerful video. I want you to watch this video. And I want you to watch it with eyes and ears in the spirit. Yes. <clears throat> I want you to just say, Lord, what do you want to do in the spirit through this video? And I believe the Lord is going to move in a mighty way in your heart today. Mm -hmm. And things are going to change in your future. If we could, let's see this video. What happens in the unseen world when you fast and when you pray? It's the story of Moses and the Amalekites, Moses and the children of Israel fighting the Amalekites. And God told him to go up on the mountain and lift his hands toward heaven. He said in Exodus 17 and verse 11, lift your hands, Moses. God commanded him to. And as long as he had his hands in a physical posture, 
race toward heaven in obedience to what God told him to do with a physical command and place a posture, the way what he did with his body, as long as, as he had physical obedience, he was winning the battle in the unseen world because of his physical obedience. This story is important because it reinforces the fact that physical obedience, listen, brings spiritual release. You can say, well, if God's gonna win the battle, he'll just win the battle. But in this story, God said, what you do with your physical body, Moses, determines whether or not this particular battle is gonna be won. Because physical obedience brings spiritual release. That's why this story is so important that somehow there is a connection between what we do physically and what happens spiritually. What we do here with our physical bodies makes a difference of what happens in the unseen world. Angels were released into that battle when he raised his hands physically. If his hands started coming down because God told him to do it. And if his hands started coming down, then the angels would withdraw and the enemy would begin to defeat. Hebrews chapter one says that angels are sent out to render services on behalf of those who inherit salvation. It says the angels of God are spirits that are sent as flames of fire. It says it in that same chapter later, in that same chapter there, he'll make his ministers flames of fire. His, he, he mentions that there is breath, there is wind, this wind and fire. That's what angels are like. And he said, I'll release those angels and they will be dispatched into the situation. So get it now. Here's the point. Hands are raised. And as long as Moses obeys what God tells him to do with a physical act, the battle is won because of what he's doing physically with his body. If his hands go down, then he begins to lose the battle. You see, the Bible said, lift up your hands without wrath or doubting. The word wrath means don't get mad about the instruction God's giving you to do something physically. Do it without wrath and then do it without doubting. Doubting means don't question what good does it do. Don't question when God tells you to do something physically. If he said, lift your hands, don't stand there arguing with God saying, I don't have to do that. No, the truth is physical obedience brings spiritual release every time. In the modern church, we have reduced everything down to feelings and intellect and not to any physical actions. I feel like I'm humble, so I never have to get on my knees and bow before the Lord. I feel like I love the Lord and I worship Him on the inside, and I don't have to clap my hands. I don't have to raise my hands. I don't have to stand to my feet and worship God physically with my body. God knows my heart. I feel faith, so I don't have to risk anything. I have faith in my heart. 
Everything gets reduced down in the modern day church to internal stuff and there is no outward manifestation. But if you tell your wife or your husband, I love you on the inside, but you never show it on the outside, they're going to question you. And God says, sometimes I demand of my people a physical act of obedience before I release spiritual reward. And fasting is one of those acts of obedience. There are times when God requires of all of us a physical action. A physical action. Why? Because there's a connection between the physical action here and the spiritual power that is released there. Moses with his hands up, as long as his hands are up, Israel wins. Physical obedience releases spiritual power, favor, help, protection, healing, miracles, blessing. And when you begin to fast and pray, you release God's supernatural power and forces of heaven. I'm going to show you this right out of the Bible. You know, I, I hear this little saying, higher levels, higher devils. And that's a good saying, and I get it, you know, that the higher you go up in God, the more the devil fights you. But it's almost, that's, that statement almost glorifies the devil to me. Higher levels, higher devils. It almost says, I don't want to get, oh, I don't want to go too high because then the devil will know who I am and really attack me. He already knows who you are. And who is protected more on a battlefield? A private, a new enlisted soldier, or a five-star general? Who has more soldiers around him protecting him, the private or the general? The truth is, listen to this, higher level, higher angelic protection, higher angelic participation in the assignment God has given you. The greater God trusts you with greater assignments, the greater he's like Elisha when, he, when his servant went out and said, oh my God, the Assyrians are surrounding us. What are we going to do, prophet? He said, just relax. Lord, open his eyes. And he looked out and, and when he looked again, he saw chariots of horses and fire surrounding them because the higher the call on your life and assignment, the higher the divine protection of God around you and your family. Don't be afraid to dream big, to ask big, to believe get big. I'm not going to back down because I'm scared the devil will fight me more if we keep doing more. We've just begun and we're going to higher levels and we're going to have more angelic protection. Clap your hands and praise God if you believe it. Hmm. Daniel chapter 10, I'll begin reading with verse 2. In those days... I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, no meat, no wine came in my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Verse 10. Suddenly, while I was fasting, while I was eating vegetables, while I was seeking God, while I was praying, I made a vow, I told God. And if you read Daniel chapter one, he goes into detail of what he ate. He said, I ate vegetables and water and I abstained from pleasant food. 
He said, while I was in this three-week time, an angel came, verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me that made me tremble on my knees and on the palm of my hands. And he said, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. Understand the words I speak to you. This is an angel talking to him. And notice he said, I come and this is how God feels about you. Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. Understand the words I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have been sent to you. While he was speaking the word to me, I started to tremble. Verse 3, he said, I ate no pleasant bread. Listen carefully. The word pleasant there is desirable. I ate no pleasant or desirable bread. What's interesting is when, when Daniel 11 said, or Daniel 10 and verse 11 says, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. The word greatly beloved is the same word described desirable. Oh, Daniel, greatly desired. I ate no desirable bread. God's response was, Oh, Daniel, you are greatly desired by me. I ate no desirable food. I became a man greatly desired by God during this 21 days. There's a difference, folks, between God's love and God's favor. God's love is 100% full on seven days a week, 24 hours a day. There's nothing you can do that can make him love you more. There's nothing you can do that can make him love you less. You don't earn it. You can never deserve it. His love is full. His love is free. And God loves you. There is a difference between God's love and God's favor. Favor is different because it is initially given to us as a gift. And its increase in our life is dependent upon our stewardship of what we do to gain God's favor. The love of God is, it, it, it is absolutely full and free. It's perfect love and it's full and it's yours. But the favor of God does not come in its fullness on your life until you do certain things that gets God's attention. You can't buy God's favor, but you do not get more of God's favor without sacrifice. The increase of favor comes from obedience and sacrifice. Daniel's story is a story of favor. It's a picture of unusual increase of favor. God says, when you win my favor, when you do things, there's something about you doing a physical act of obedience that brings spiritual release of favor and blessing. Look out, miracles will come, favor will come, blessing will come, God will raise you up. It's less of you and more of him, and you know when you get there, to God be the glory. He said, Daniel, man greatly beloved, understands the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have been sent to you. Do not fear, Daniel. Listen, from the first day you set your heart to understand 
and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. I have come because of your words. Listen now, the angel's talking. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. There was a principality over Persia, which is Iran, and this strong demon power withstood me, the angel said, for 21 days. But because you kept fasting and praying, Michael, one of the chief princes, Michael, came to help me. There are three major angels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Lucifer failed, Gabriel brings messages, but Michael is the warring angel, and he was sent as reinforcements to break through the enemy's resistance. Now let me explain something to you. There is no battle between God and Satan. God, God's not warring with the devil. God said, if I by the finger of God cast Satan out, all God's gotta do is flip his finger. He, he gave the devil a, the, the finger and, and cast him out of heaven. There's not like this big battle. There is no war between God and Satan. But listen, everything was created for a purpose. There is a war between the angelic forces and demonic forces, and you and I get to vote who wins. That's what this story teaches. That there are angels and demons that are battling, and angels have the answer to prayer, and they're battling, and you and I, what we do physically, can release spiritual power to those angels. We vote in the battle of the heavenlies. Now let me close with this thought. In that story, in Mark chapter 17, when the disciples said, why could we not cast this devil out? Jesus gave two reasons. He said, you have unbelief and you are a perverse generation. In other words, he was saying to his own disciples, because that's who asked him. Number one, if you have unbelief, you have, you have disconnected from God. You have disconnected from the Word. You have disconnected from praise and worship. You have disconnected from church. You have disconnected from my presence. You have disconnected from hungering for me. And when you disconnect from God, unbelief begins to take over. You're not faith-filled. Unbelief begins to take over your life. Fear, anxiety, hopelessness, despair. And he said, first of all, your unbelief, you're disconnected from God. Now watch this, and you're perverse. It comes from the word pervert. In other words, he's saying, you, you're not connected to God. And on top of that, you're too connected to the world. But let me tell you how you fix that. This kind comes by fasting and prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is connecting to God. Connecting back to God. Fasting is disconnecting from the world. Disconnecting from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I don't care who you are. I constantly, I am your pastor. I am your preacher. I do this full time and I constantly have to go back and align myself and say, God, help me because I'm disconnecting from you and I'm connecting to the world. And that's why I love this season when we get real, when we get honest, when we get to this place where we feel like we're disconnected from God, we're too connected to the 
world. In comes fasting and it disconnects us from the world. And in comes prayer. It reconnects us to God. And suddenly we have dominion and power over the enemy and a fresh anointing. And we obtain the favor of God again on our lives. Somebody give him a great shout of praise. Don't you want that? Say this, if I give up desirable food, I'll become very desirable to God the next 21 days. That's not a boastful statement. That's not an arrogant statement. But the fact that God can say over me, and all he did was gave up meat and bread and sugar and ate vegetables and God said, oh, Daniel, you are greatly desirable to me because you're doing something physical that brings spiritual release in heaven. just mentioning this from CBN about prayer and how when I first started reading the Bible, just got saved back in 1980 and I had a hunger for prayer. Just God just put that hunger inside of me. When I opened this up just this morning, I saw something that Kathy had wrote because Kathy had a hunger for prayer also. We both did. She wrote this down. She said, this is her little hand note. She says, when we pray, we spend time with God. You see, time with whoever you love is important. There's times where Kathy and I just sit together. I just want her to be near me if I'm watching a football game. Of course, now she's starting to like football. But I just like her to be near me. You know, you, you spend time together. She wrote this down. Time allows you to spend, prayer allows you to spend time with God. We can tell, tell God what's on our mind. You know, there's a lot of stuff on our mind, questions or whatever. We could do that in prayer. We can hear what God has to say to us by listening. Sometimes you just sit with him and maybe your cup of coffee, I don't know, you sit there and say, Lord, what do you want to say? But it happens through prayer. You're brought into his presence, into his throne room. Awesome to be in God's presence. I looked up some uh, definitions. One was prayer is intercession and interacting with God. I kind of like that definition. Intercession and interacting with God. It's like you're interacting with God and you've got an opportunity to say, Lord, this is what I'd like to have done or whatever the requests are. 
You know, in James 5.16, it says, The effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I had a picture. When I first became a Christian, somebody gave me this picture, and I don't know who it was. And I, I think we even have it. I, we used to have it in the church. There's a picture of an angel. No, we don't have this. We have a different one. But there's, there's a picture of a, a man whose child is on the bed, and the child's on the bed sleeping, and the man is at the edge of the bed praying. He's got his hands folded. And behind him is the window, and in the window there's an angel keeping out an angel of darkness. A strong angel standing, protecting that child through that man's prayers. For years, and I, I think I still have that picture somewhere, I used to see that because I put it in my office and I'd be able to realize I need to pray. And I'd look at that picture and I'd say, it's time to pray. Now, I don't know everything about prayer. There's, like I said, so much in the Bible, over a hundred scriptures, different types of prayer. Praying in the spirit, praying, interceding, praying for our, our nation or the nations of the world. There's so many opportunities to pray, and it's talked about in Scripture. I don't have all the answers, and I don't know why some prayers are answered and some are not, but I do know all things work together for good that them, to them that love God and called according to His purpose. But prayer is such a vast thing, and I'm not here I'm in, a, in a couple of minutes to give you all the keys to prayer. I think that video gives you some real keys in prayer and fasting. And by, by the way, just a reminder, you know, in January, every January, we do have opportunities because we have prayer and fasting for 21 days. So you're going to have every opportunity to bring some things to the Lord. But in James 5.16, you know, that, that scripture was on that picture that I had. And, you know, I looked up what does, you know, effectual and fervent. What does really effectual mean? And I want you to grasp what it really means. Think of these words. Just kind of chew on these words. Effectual means potent. You got that? Potent. Potent. Worthwhile. It's worthwhile. Powerful. Useful. Valuable successful, productive, and fruitful. See, you take that one word, wow, effectual. Well, it means a lot, but then you start putting all those other words in there. You go, wow, how important is that? Pretty important, results-oriented. But then the next word, the same thing, fervent. What does fervent mean? Passionate, intense, sincere, feeling, heartfelt, emotional, zealous, enthusiastic, fanatical, wholehearted, and committed. Ooh, that last one, committed, committed. You know, I looked at those definitions and 
what those words mean. And I say, wow. You can see what the Lord is trying to do in us. He's trying to put those things into us so that we're always praying without ceasing. Always praying. I go back to the early 1980s when I first got saved. The Lord just put this on my heart to pray and pray and pray. And I mentioned this once before. I don't know how many things have happened through my prayer because there's so many things that will be revealed later in eternity. And, you know, just like that song, that one long song says, Thank, thanks for giving unto the Lord, you know. You're giving, help this person get saved. And, you know, we don't know what's happening. We don't know everything that's happening in our prayer life. But there are little things that God, as you get older, He reveals things that you prayed about this. And you see, this was the result. He gives you those little tidbits and you go, wow. And I remember <clears throat> in the early 80s, going out early in the morning, the Lord used to wake me up and still does. Wakes me up at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And there's times when you just have this urge, you, I just have to go pray. And you try to fight it, particularly on cold days. I remember many cold mornings, my dog Ginger, love my little dog Ginger, he took all my abuse, taking him out cold mornings, walking, jogging in zero degrees or whatever. Uh, I say he, she, it was a she. I called him a he, but it was a she. But I, I, I just had this urge, and I put my, I was a skier, I used to take classes up to Colorado and ski. Mm -hmm. I had all the ski clothes. Lord says, you got all the clothes, put them on. <laughs> You'll stay warm. Because I remember going out sometimes, in the, you know, it gets cold in Dallas. Sometimes you get 20 degrees, teens, sometimes in the, the low one single digits. And, and so I'd put on my, all my ski stuff, my hat and everything, my gloves. And I'd go, okay, Ginge, let's go. And I remember walking the neighborhood. And we'd, we'd walk for a long time. But in particular, we'd focus on our neighborhood. And I'd particularly focus on our neighbors. And I'd pray, Lord, I'd stand at the house and pray out loud. Because at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, nobody's out there. Once in a while, you'd see a car go by on Apollo uh, over there. And, you know, it's just like, I, I don't care. I'm going to pray. And I'd pray out loud and Ginger be right with me. And, and I'm sure she was praying too. All dogs go to heaven, right? Yeah. All dogs pray. But then uh, I remember praying fervently, fervently, many times crying out to the Lord in ways that, you know, it was in my spirit. But I do that, and we, I did that with my dog for years and years. Finally, it was probably 10, 15, maybe 20 years later, uh, a girl shows up at church, and... She was ready to commit suicide. Yeah. And the Lord brought her to this church. Right. And who was this girl? Jesus. It was our neighbor. Wow. And our neighbor got saved Praise God. at this church. Wow. And then about a year or two later, another neighbor got saved and went to this church for a while. Wow. Awesome. And her husband got saved. Okay, those are only a couple examples that the Lord gave me, but who knows who you're praying for? 
What's happening in their life? God is doing tremendous things. We don't know what He's doing, but He's doing great things. You know, the Scripture has many Scriptures about prayer that say prayer and supplication. Well, so then I looked up the supplication part. And we don't all often think of this part. But this part is there, prayer and supplication. Because all the, the people in the, the Bible, King Solomon, Isaiah, Daniel, Nehemiah, Cornelius and Acts, David and Psalms, always, not always, but many times prayed with supplication. Well, that supplication means it's a, a plea, appeal, petition, request, and yes, even begging. We don't hear that a lot about our faith preachers that are preaching about prayer. Stand on it and it's yours. Well, that's true too. But there's the part of supplication. I hate to use that word begging because a lot of preachers, you know, they, they say don't be begging God. Well, you know, David and King Solomon and Isaiah, and, you know, their prayers of supplication were, Lord, do this, please do this. They're requests. So it's not bad to request to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 or 5.18. Uh, <clears throat> first it starts off with pray without ceasing. And then it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, see, we, we pray without ceasing, but then there's a time to give thanks too in everything, even if it doesn't come out the way you desire. And lastly, last thing I want to mention is, I want to have Kathy share just a couple of minutes. Last thing I want to say is there, there are some things we just don't know how to pray about, and that's why we pray in the Spirit. I, I remember when uh, years ago when one of our daughters um, was living in uh, Costa Rica. She was in college at the time, and she spent a semester with a family, living with a family, because she was a Spanish major. So she lived in Costa Rica for uh, a semester, or maybe it was a year, I'm not sure, it was a long time. So she's down there and, you know, we thought everything was okay. We, I'm not sure exactly how it went, Kath, but we somehow tried to get in touch with her and we couldn't get in touch with her and we, we called the, the parent or the, the home that she was living in and she, nobody could get in touch with her. The parent, the people at the house said, she hasn't been here for like a week. And we said, what? And we, we tried to track down as much as we can and we didn't speak the language. And the, so that was difficult too. Um, so we called the US State Department and we made a request through the State Department because nobody knew. Nobody at her school had any idea where she was. Nobody knew where she was, and she was missing for a week. Well, I remember my heart just dropping. Nothing you can do, you know. My neighbor, Hector, across the street, he was Spanish. He said, uh, 
hey, I'll go with you. My brother spoke, speaks Spanish. He said, I'll go, I'll go with you. You know, we'll go down there and look. And I said, well, you know, it may come down to that. But we're, you know, we're praying right now and seeking the Lord. So I remember bringing our prayer request to people in the church. And we were praying. And, and uh, I was in tears, crying. But Kathy, after her prayer, she, she got up to a point where she had perfect peace. She had perfect peace. She said, John, we, we just have to give this to the Lord. There's nothing we can do. I was a mess. I mean, I was crying and I was begging the Lord, you know, praying, begging the Lord, um, just reaching out to the Lord. But then when Kathy said that, there, there's, she had perfect peace. There's nothing we can do. Let's pray in the Spirit. And then we started to pray in the Spirit. When I started praying in the Spirit, I got that release. It was and just walking around the house. Something about praying in the Spirit. Now, I didn't have my request answered, but praying in the Spirit, it gave me a release that said, Lord, she's your child. She's your child. Well, the bottom line is, we found out that uh, this is about a week later, five days later, something like that. Uh, we found out that she had taken a trip with some friends into Nicaragua and El Salvador. Now, we're talking about times when these countries are, you know, I don't know if you know anything about Nicaragua and El Salvador's history, but there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. It wasn't good for tourists to be in El Salvador or Nicaragua. But my daughter, you don't know why, this one daughter, not this daughter. This is one of the three daughters. This daughter is a free spirit, and so she had to go to El Salvador through Nicaragua, and the bottom line was she got back safely. Now, here's my, my thought on this. We were praying when she was going through Nicaragua and El Salvador, or at least coming back through that way. We were praying. We don't know what kind of angels were around and about and camped about her. We would not have prayed had we not known she was missing. We wouldn't be praying, but we prayed. So I'm going to leave that up to God. I don't know what happened, but I think he'll reveal it to us someday. He said, your prayers stopped such and such from happening while she was going over the border from El Salvador to Nicaragua or vice versa or whatever. I believe in that. And that's the power of prayer. Kathy, I wanted you to share a couple of things. Okay, this is just put this in here. Harold, we are standing with you for greater levels of angelic protection, angelic care, and angelic comfort. I just, I want you to really know that. And um, I, I have a few things I can say about what prayer has meant for me, what it's done for me, but before I say that, I have to commend all of you. You people have amazing relationships with the Lord. I know you pray. 
I see it. I, yes. I see yes. the connection that you guys have. This is an amazing church. For, for this number of people, we, we have a crowd in the prayer room on Monday nights. You guys are amazing. I am not holier than thou, believe me. But, but I have learned through experiences that prayer is the lifeblood. It really is. It is the power. It is the life. It, it is what we all really, really need. It's vital. And, you know, we, we start our prayers with thanksgiving and praise. We enter his courts with thanksgiving into his gates with praise. And if we did nothing else besides just thank him and praise him for what he's done and who he is, that would be, an, that would be all you really, really would need to do. That'd be amazing prayers. But what happened in my experience, <laughs> of course, we... We had many, many, many answers to prayers. I could go over and over this thing and that thing and doors that were closed that we were thankful because that was an answer to prayer. But as I was raising my children, and you know, a lot of you are parents, and when they're little, when they're this age and they sing, you have total control. You know what they eat, you know where they go, you know when they go to sleep, you have control of your children. But as they begin to get a little bit older, you have teenagers, and by the way, I loved having teenagers. A lot of people say, oh, I dread them being teenagers. Not me, I, I loved having teenagers. But what happened was, I couldn't be there all the time. I didn't have that total control. I wanted control. So I found myself at their high school at a Moms in Touch group. They invited me to come, and we went Every Wednesday morning, after we drop the kids off, a solid, no-nonsense, no snacks, no chit-chat, we prayed for those kids. And what it did for me was I took all those cares and concerns and I, I put them all in a box, just like that box. I put them in a box, shoved them over to the foot of the cross in Jesus' feet, said, there. I've done my job, walked home. You know, you do everything you can do, and then you trust God to do the rest. I went home light and airy, no problems, no concerns. And you know what? There are still things that concern me greatly. I'm very concerned about what's going on in our nation, in, our, in Washington, D.C. I'm very concerned about nuclear weapons in Iran. I'm very concerned about Israel having a, to have a third election. I'm concerned about people, persecuted Christians, yeah. but I can't be there. Mm -hmm. But I can go in that room back there, sure. and I can voice all those concerns to the Lord, right. and I can do this, Lamentations 2.19, I will pour out my heart like water before the face of the living God. I give it to him, I put it in that box, I put it at the feet of Jesus. Okay, God, I did my job. The rest is up to you, and I know you're faithful. God is faithful. A couple amazing scriptures he gives us, and you know what, we're still living out the prayers that we prayed 10, 20, 30 years ago. We're seeing the results, we're living that out now. And it may take 40 years, who knows? 
Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Proverbs 15.8, the prayer of the upright is his delight. He delights in that, in that connection. He delights in you dumping your concerns on him. He delights in it. And get to Revelation 5.8. Now, picture this. Just picture this. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, every one of them having harps and golden vials of incense. I was going to bring something really fancy and gold, I don't have it. They have a golden vial of incense, which are the prayers of his saints. Your prayers. There's an altar before the throne, and the elders have vials of your prayers. Vials, golden, golden vials, precious. Your prayers are precious to God. Yes. That's all I have for you guys. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, we're just going to close in prayer. Jesus, Jesus. How many in here love Jesus? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you love Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so good. Father, we thank you that we can call you Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You're so good to us, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you that you're here. Our, you hear our requests. You hear our prayers, Lord. Father, we pray as a church for those people right now who are, even through this season, like Harold and others, who are going through some things that are beyond what any of us could, 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 could have the ability to get through without you. We couldn't do it without you, Lord. So, Father, I pray for those individuals, those hurting people right now, especially in this holiday season. Many that have lost, you know, Dana, Dave have lost a child, and, and Randy and Karen, and now Harold, Lord. There's, but there's so many people like that, Lord, that have lost loved ones. and Particularly this time of the year, there's, some, there's a lot of hurting. But, Father, our prayer is that you would send your Holy Spirit, the, which is called the Comforter. You called your Holy Spirit the Comforter. We pray for the Comforter to comfort these family, these individuals, these people, Lord. Comfort them in their time of need, Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for this service this morning, for what you did even in the worship this morning through the children and through our worship leader and musicians up here, Lord. You just brought us into your presence, Lord. And even through this video, Lord, this is a, that's an anointed video, uh, yes. anointed by you, Lord. So, Father, I thank you that we would uh, just put all of this uh, into our spirit today. So help us digest all of this so that we can come to your throne room daily and into your presence. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
just enjoy the, the presence of the Lord this day. If there's anybody that has any special needs, feel free to come up and we'll all pray with you. But have a great day in the Lord. Oh, Ray wants, yeah, Ray. Ray wants, here, you want to use this one? Amen. Hang, hang on just for a few minutes, a second here. Before you, please, folks, I know we're moving around. First of all, I just want to say that our season that's coming up, I really believe God is going to speak to us in ways that we do not expect. I want to say something to you about prayer and fasting. so important. Because prayer and fasting is entering into a season where God begins to reveal himself in ways you do not know. In Deuteronomy 8, God spoke to Israel. He says, I brought you into the wilderness and caused you to hunger. The whole purpose is God was kind of appointing this season of fasting and prayer and that he might make you know, listen to this, that he might make you to know that which you did not know. God reveals things to us. And it's, it's a time where there's a war going on. Anytime you're talking about prayer and fasting, you enter into a season of war, of contradictions where your mind and the enemy was do anything he can to distract and derail that season of prayer and fasting. Because God is bringing us into a higher level of relationship, understanding, and, and a move of God. And I pray that you really take what the Lord is saying here to heart Uh, This is not just a time where we're just missing food, but it's a time where we're coming in. I love what Jesus said in Luke 4. He says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. The word becomes alive. God does something in a powerful way that brings you into an understanding and a level where your mind may be offended. Listen, your mind is always offended to spiritual things. It's because God is going to reveal himself to you and bring you into a revelation of him so that you will come out of that season saying, wow, I would have never known what I know now had it not been for prayer and fasting. It's a powerful season. Uh, I just, I also want to say this, is that no, nothing happens in our life by accident. There's no such thing as just things happening in God allows things so that he can bring us closer to him. Amen? And I I, I believe that that God speaks today. I believe God wants to speak and reveal himself in powerful ways. I want to just, Harold handed me a note just to let everyone know that for those who cannot make it to the funeral, that uh, David, my son, is going to be live streaming this at 10 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and then at two o'clock in the afternoon where the burial will be, just to let you know for those who cannot go. So it'll be at 10 a.m. at one place and then two o'clock at another place that it will be live streamed. Amen? Let's stand to our feet and uh, just give someone a hug and let's expect great things. Amen? Amen? God loves you. We love you. Be blessed and have a great day in Jesus. Amen. I lost it.